0: What's up, Cougar fans? Welcome to the month that is synonymous with college hoops. It is March. This is the Holy City Hoops podcast. Regular season's over. We're looking forward to the CAA tournament kicking off in North Charleston this weekend. And in honor of that, we've got a full CAA tournament preview for today's episode. Brian Mull is joining as my guest this week. You may remember him from our season preview, one of the first podcasts we did this year. You may also know him from his work in Blue Ribbon, collegeinsider.com, on The athletic, forbes.com, lots of other places, longtime CAA expert. So today we're going to go through the bracket, talk a little bit about each matchup with a little extra attention paid to the Cougars, of course. We're going to talk our predictions, who we think is going to walk home with the awards and the trophy at the end of all this, lots of fun stuff in today's episode Before we get to that, we should mention that the Cougars did play a game this week that we haven't talked about on the pod yet. Senior night game for Nick Harris, Marquise Pointer, Jermaine Blackman, and Jarrell Brantley against UNCW. Cougars get the win, get the season sweep of the Seahawks. We have a full recap on holycityhoops.com, so be sure to check that out. Earl Grant collects his 100th win, which is a big deal. Huge accomplishment for him. If this is your first time listening, make sure you check out Holy City Hoops on your favorite social media channel. All this week, we're going to be doing previews for the CAA tournament, and hopefully the Cougars are going to go on a long run, and we'll have lots to talk about over the coming days. For now, though, let's get into our CAA tournament preview with Brian Mull here on the Holy City Hoops podcast. Brian Mull, it's only appropriate that you would bookend the regular season. You were here for the preview. You're now here for the tournament. How are you, my friend?
1: I'm doing well. Thank you. Uh, Honored to be back on the podcast, and uh, the season has uh, come
0: and gone yet again, at least the regular part of it. Honored is a strong word for this podcast, but I appreciate it nonetheless. (laughs) I I use it
1: uh, maybe a little loosely, but uh, certainly uh, always enjoy talking CAA hoops.
0: It's always fun, right? Yeah. So. I was looking through our regular season predictions. you have a guess as to where you were maybe wrong? Both of us were wrong on a couple of different things. I just
1: doused mine in uh, kerosene. Hold on. Uh, uh, <laughs> uh, uh, well, nobody saw Hofstra uh, winning all those games in a row and uh, winning the regular season. We had them, what, third, fourth, fifth, somewhere down there? Fourth. Yeah, and uh, I-, I was uh, expecting a little more from the Seahawks. Right here in my backyard, I uh, didn't realize they weren't going to guard anybody <laughs> all
0: season. That, that's accurate. Although they've they've been a little bit better the, the past couple weeks, and we'll talk about them in a second. Sure. So I've got you here to go through the bracket. The matchups are set. We've got all the games to preview. I know we're also going to do some stuff around uh, predictions and whatnot. What do you say we maybe start with uh, the games on Pillow Fight Saturday?
1: Yeah, it's a shame. And I think that's a great idea. It's a shame we couldn't come up with a better name. Pillow Fight Friday just had such a great
0: ring to it. I have yeah. I have a suggestion. What do you think of this? Okay, I'm open. Hot seat Saturday. <laughs> it's pretty good. You think it you think it
1: can stick? <laughs> that could catch on. You never know. That All could right. be a, a hashtag away from uh, from permanence.
0: All right. Well, I, I would think at least three of the coaches here might feel the warmth on their on their took us, but we'll see if, we'll see if it catches on. Let's start with uh, the first game of the tournament on Saturday. That would be the 4 PM matchup between the eight and nine seeds, JMU and Towson. These teams split the regular season and Brian, I think it's going to be a defensive matchup.
1: Uh, I I would agree with you. Both teams have uh, struggled to score at times this year, um, even though I, James Madison to me has been a difficult team to figure because I really like their perimeter talent, and um, but they just haven't been able to consistently put the ball in the basket. Uh, that they, This could be a typical first game of a tournament, ugly, long stretches without a field goal, not much energy in the building, to, yeah. two schools a long way away from home playing a game and and fan bases that that might not be as committed as they uh as they have been in other years so uh teams will you know uh it's always about who can kind of who wants it more to to use an old cliche but like uh you know are are players ready to mail it in or or they feel like that maybe they could uh you know it's worthwhile to play another game or two in the in the season
0: yeah we don't have to spend too much time on these on these saturday matchups JMU has lost three of four. Towson comes in losing seven of 10, including their last four straight. Not much momentum going into this. JMU did unseat Hofstra in Hempstead though. So maybe they're a tough matchup if they can get out uh, out of the round. Are we excited for like a Stucky Mosley versus Brian Fobbs game to kick things off? I don't know.
1: Yeah, I don't know how exciting that is. I will say, uh, as and you mentioned this with Towson, it's a bit of a disturbing trend uh, over the last three or four seasons with uh, the Tigers where they've just completely kind of collapsed in the last couple of weeks of the regular season. Um, they've closed with uh, four straight losses last year. And that's right, yeah. Had a bad slide in 2015. And, um, you know, that's something that maybe Pat Scary needs to look at, assuming he's he remains there. But just with his program and maybe the way he goes about it, but they've really, uh, <clears throat> you know, kind of stumbled to the finish, which is op- the opposite of what you want, obviously.
0: I think this game's going to be in the 60s. Uh, maybe one of these shooters on either team shows up, but um, I don't know if I'm – ready to call it much of a marquee matchup just yet
1: uh that game will be forgotten <laughs> by the time we get to we'll say uh the half, midway through the quarterfinal bracket uh you know somebody will forget that the team that lost that game was even in the tournament uh and uh you know it's just tough you're right these first games it's hard to obviously all the teams that played their way into the seven through ten seeds uh did so by not finishing very well down the stretch
0: well, let's talk about the other game, because at least that one might have some fireworks. Elon, who is the seven seed versus UNCW. That game is Saturday at 630. UNCW comes in as the 10 seed. These teams, I mean, they might not have much talent, but they might combine for like 75 threes in this game.
1: The shots will be flying. Uh, neither, neither of these teams has met a shot that they don't like. Uh, UNCW's actually been a good offensive team. I think they were third in the league yeah. in efficiency. Um, yeah. Elon was not, which was surprising with, with Santa Ana and Sebring. However, Santa Ana picked it up
0: down the stretch. Yeah, almost averaged games. a triple double this week.
1: Yeah. And, uh, you know, they won three of four, so they're feeling pretty good about themselves. Uh, that the last couple of years there again, you know, injuries losing a guy like Swoop, who was supposed to be there. Mm hmm. Uh, you know, focal point and the backcourt and point guard, uh, always difficult to uh, make adjustments like that. But, uh, yeah, these they played two pretty entertaining games in the regular season. Is this one that falls back into the it's hard to beat a team three times?
0: Could, yeah. We we could we could say that for a couple different yeah. of different games here.
1: So, yeah, I think this one uh, for your dollar of entertainment value, your basketball purists uh, that like to see the ball go into the rim – uh, this will be one that uh, you'll have much higher opportunity of seeing that.
0: You could have some fans in in the Coliseum for this one. Elon and UNCW, two of the closer schools, and yeah, I think uh, I think you could see some some shooting displays from from Santa Ana. Devontae Kaycock is always worth the price of admission. He's not a guy you have to run any plays for, and he can still finish with a double double. So yeah, this one w- this could be a good one. I should have asked you. Uh, what was your prediction for JMU Towson? Who are you taking in that one? I'm taking the Dukes. Yeah, uh, I think I'd do the same. Yeah, I just
1: I'm a Matt Lewis, Stucky Mosley guy, and I love their
0: backcourt there. And
1: yeah, let's go with them.
0: And you obviously know the the Seahawks better than than most. What are your predictions for this game?
1: I think I think the Seahawks will win. I, I even though they finished the season on a terrible slide, losing. What nine out of ten, uh, and beating Hofstra during that stretch, go figure. Right. Um, they, like you said, they were competitive. Yeah, you know, they played Northeastern down to the final possession. Uh, they 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 lost a tough one at, at William and Mary. They lost a tough one down in Charleston to close the regular season. I think CB has kept his team together, which is important. And and they do have some nice a nice young nucleus starting with their point guard Taves. So I feel like you know they're going to be a team that comes into this and looks at the tournament as kind of a fresh start and opportunity, and um, their offense will get them into the quarterfinals.
0: It worked for them last year. They upset Hofstra in the in the first round of last season's tournament. So, uh, yeah, you might you might be onto something there. If, if Sebring and Santa Ana are are the one two punch and and both play well, they might have just a little bit more talent at the top. But um, if somebody in that UNCW lineup can can hit some outside shots, if Taves isn't turning it over, I could see the Seahawks winning. I might take uh, I want to take Elon, but UNCW, I want to talk about later as a as a potential upset pick. So I guess I got to pick the Seahawks here.
1: Yeah, Uh, I mean, uh, again, uh, whoever's uh, making the perimeter shot is going to look like the better team, I think, uh, on. on This this night. Yep.
0: Well, those are the matchups on Saturday. But moving on to the big games, which start Sunday. These are the teams that got the first round by. Let's start with the noon matchup. That is number one Hofstra versus the winner of JMU Towson. If it is the Dukes, then Hofstra has to defeat a team that just beat them in overtime in Hempstead. What are you looking for from Hofstra in this first round matchup?
1: Um, look, it's always tough when you're the favorite and you're playing that early game on Friday and you haven't been to the NCAA tournament since 2001. You haven't been to the NCAA tournament since you've been a member of the colonial. Um, you've had some very good teams through the years. Uh, you know, they, you have a great senior guard an iconic player in school history and, and you've got to feel like this is a, you know, kind of the end of this cycle, if you will, you need to capitalize and, uh, yeah, they've got to handle that pressure. Uh, I think they're equipped, certainly, to win it. But you've got to win that first game. And I wouldn't be surprised if that first game is, uh, especially if it's JMU, I wouldn't be surprised if that game's tight at halftime. You know, you see that happen a lot in these tournaments where it takes a yep. while for the for the favorite, for the number one seed to, to kind of get their feet under them. If I'm not mistaken, uh, Charleston was, you know, in a, in a dogfight last year for in their first game against Drexel.
0: They were, they were. And going back to being the top seed... It is it is tough, man. I mean, as a fan, the the you're having a heart attack with every round. Every you're getting every team's best punch, and yeah, uh, Drexel was up nine in the in their quarterfinal game against Charleston. I think the team coming out of that Saturday matchup is is kind of loose. They're feeling good. They're coming off a win, and you might catch a a favorite like a Hofstra or like a Charleston, a number one seed that is a little sluggish to start or the shots aren't falling. Uh, as they tend to do in the Coliseum. So, I mean, as long as Hofstra doesn't take an 18-hour train ride to from New York to Charleston, they should be okay, though.
1: <laughs> that should help. And uh, uh, hopefully the bad weather just got in and out of there already, you know, last weekend up in the, in the Northeast Corridor, and hopefully uh, they, can, they can escape. I, I agree, though. You, mid-major basketball is so cyclical. I mean, you look at Charleston won nine games a few years ago. You know, UNCW went to -to back-to-back NCAA tournaments a couple of years ago. Um, Now their fortunes have kind of flopped in that regard. And it it happens all around the country in other leagues where, you know, Little Rock wins 30 games one year and then they win eight or ten or whatever, you know, a couple of years later. So when you're in that, when you have a special team like Hofstra does, and you you want to, you know, you have to capitalize eventually. And uh, they'll uh, we'll see how they handle that. They played pretty loose most of the season, even on that long winning streak. So uh, we'll see if they can bring that same attitude into the tournament.
0: Are you at all worried about Hofstra's depth? Because they play basically seven guys, and it seems like they started to show signs of wearing down, uh, down the stretch of this season. Does that concern you at all?
1: A little bit on the interior. Taylor has been such a nice addition for them inside. And, uh, been as efficient on the offensive end as anyone in the conference certainly doesn't get a ton of opportunities, but, uh, you know, shoots 70% from the field. And, uh, if he gets in foul trouble, that there's a drop off there, uh, behind him. Uh, although Dwyer has had you know some good moments as well. And, yeah, but I think the guards are used to, they've, they've done it the, their whole career basically, or certainly this year and, and yeah. they know they're going to play and they want to play and there's enough stoppages, uh, so not from like a fatigue standpoint necessarily. I think adrenaline carries you through as you as you advance in these tournaments. But certainly from a foul situation, depending on how the games are called, they are they are vulnerable uh, as are other teams as well to uh, having their better players on the on the bench. I do think they are protected a little bit from that by playing in the zone. Yeah, you're you're just not going to foul as as much in a zone as if you're out there running around chasing people off screens or or, or trying to press or something. So. I think that's the thing with Hofstra. It comes down to, to to how their guards play. I mean, that's simplistic, but if 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 Bowie and Pemberton and Wright Foreman play at a high level, they're going to be very, very difficult to beat.
0: Guard play in March it's it's always important. We've seen it the last couple couple runs from CFC from UNCW. Obviously, Busicich last year was great, um, and and Justin Wright Foreman seems like the guy to to step into that role.
1: You got to have guards. Joe Chile last year took over the championship game, uh, you know, down the stretch. Even, you know, Pointer hit a couple of big shots. But just, yeah, there's UNC Trio, UNCW Trio a couple of years ago, uh, on and on and on, going back. Uh, Eric Maynard, you know, VCU back in 10, 12 years ago. I mean, you, you just have to have guards who can, when everything breaks down, can go get you a bucket.
0: Exactly. And I think Hofstra does have that. I, I love Jaquiel Taylor as well. I think he's been so good for them this year, but I don't see an upset in this game. I think Hofstra takes care of business. If they play William and Mary after that or <laughs> championship game, that, that could get interesting, but I think they survived the first round.
1: Yeah, I agree with you 100%. All
0: right, let's go to the 4-5 matchup, which is an intriguing one. William and Mary wins five straight to capture the four seed Delaware just the opposite they've lost seven of nine I know they've had some health issues what are you expecting from this game
1: uh I think the the tribe is going to win this game by double digits oh wow okay I think Tony Tony is uh this may be his best coaching job and he's had a lot of good ones up in Williamsburg but uh they were going nowhere you know midpoint of the regular season yeah conference season there. And, uh, you know, certainly played a lot of young guys in key roles, but uh, just didn't seem to, you know, offensively they were struggling, which is unusual for the, for, for the tribe. Uh, but they, he's, he pushed the right buttons and found the right combinations in the second half of the season. And his tournament record is outstanding. Uh, with I know he hasn't won it, but uh, as far as, uh, you know, generally winning at least one game, and uh, he's taken some teams – pretty deep back in the, you know, the so-called salad days of the CAA when, you know, knocking off some much more talented opponents. So I expect the tribe to to come in and just ride in that momentum and probably, probably the end of the road for Delaware.
0: Yeah. Delaware, I was hoping would fall to the sixth seed to play Charleston because they seem like a team that is, I don't know, about to crumble down the stretch. They've been not good. And, and they had to play the, the top two seeds a couple times to, um, the second half of the season, but I like Eric Carter a lot. I think, you know, in terms of guys who you can try to slow down Nathan Knight with, he's one of a handful in the CAA, but you know, you sell out on, on night and those shooters will pick you apart. So I, I agree. I think William and Mary should win this one relatively easily.
1: You know, Delaware was never the same. They they were five and two uh, in mid January and they, they mm-hmm. blew a big lead late at home and lost by one to Towson and uh, they weren't the same team after that and uh, certainly yeah like you said they've 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 missed some some key personnel at at times uh, but they that shattered that team's confidence a young team uh, they were probably felt like at that point uh, they were on their way to you know a special season a 20-win season and uh, a, a top four finish in the league and Uh, You know, Martin Eaglesby is a fine coach. He's going to have a, you know, can he, can he sell to his guys? Hey, we're, this is a fresh start. And, you know, we'll see. I don't, I don't, I don't see it.
0: If the shots can fall for Delaware, you know, I know that's a, an over oversimplification, but I worry about teams that are dependent on the three point shot in the Coliseum. I think it's, it's hard to have a good shooting night there. That's sure. the only option I can see, but um, William & Mary just is, is in a really nice groove right now. No question. All right. So moving on to the evening games, number two, Northeastern versus the winner of Elon UNCW. You seen any drama in this game?
1: No. <laughs> no. Anybody. Because I. Uh, I think that uh, defense travels, and uh, the Huskies, are, again, had the best defensive team. In the league, e- Elon and UNCW are, are both re- have a, pretty heavily reliant on the three-point shot, at least when they're winning. You know, the games they win, it seems like, uh, and Northeastern does a great job of, of choking that off every night. Uh, not only not letting you get many attempts, but shooting a low percentage as well. So I, I think the Huskies will be poised and ready. I mean, again, another team that's battled injuries uh, all year could be down two Starters, uh, most likely, you know, Osius won't play, and then Thomas right. uh, Mur- Tom- Murphy, Tom uh, Thomas Murphy, who had a twenty point game his last time, you know, in his last outing before the injury, dealing with some type of foot injury. So, uh, you you just feel, you know, that's a team that's not coming in full strength, but still probably has seven or eight guys that are good enough to, to to knock off, you know, either the Seahawks or the Phoenix.
0: Yeah, Osius being able to blanket your best perimeter player is something I think they're going to miss, especially if they play Charleston in, in the semis, because he absolutely swallowed up Grant Riller when they played up in Boston. Yeah. But I don't see Northeastern being tested. Uh, they went 4-0 against these two teams. I know they went to overtime with Elon, but they shut them out. It wasn't really even close in the extra time. Right. We know that Pusicha is a maestro with the ball. Uh, we saw that last year i think anthony green or jordan roland or any one of those role players can swing a game so i uh, i am taking the huskies as well
1: yeah i think that's a safe safe pick i don't i don't think uh, bills bringing the team all the way down from boston to lose in the first
0: game that's right that's right <laughs> All right. And the final matchup of the quarterfinals, 830 on Sunday, a game we should spend a little extra time on because this is a College of Charleston basketball podcast. Charleston versus Drexel round three between these two teams. And I think this probably is the most intriguing game of the night, whether you're a Charleston fan or not, just because of the history between these two teams.
1: I would have to agree. I was, uh, you know, certainly there were a lot of scenarios and possibilities coming down the sh- stretch of the season, but I was wondering if they were going to lock horns again because they've had, you know, Drexel's kind of had the Cougars number for, oh, yeah. as well, as much as anybody has. And, um yeah, it just works that way sometimes.
0: I was hoping for Delaware. I was hoping for, <laughs> for Delaware sure. and I couldn't <laughs> get it.
1: I can certainly understand that. And, uh, you know, for whatever reason, Earl Grant might not have been thrilled, but, uh, you know, you just take what you get, and uh, he's got to feel pretty good about his team, the way that they've played this back half of the season after, you know, hitting some rocky road there early on. You know, it was a, it was was you lose to Hofstra by four, and you lose to William & Mary in overtime. I mean, that's uh, otherwise a clean slate there in the back half, so... You've obviously watched the Cougars more closely than Mm -hmm. I have. Uh, What is it about Drexel? Do you think that gives them such a, such a fit?
0: Uh, Well, in the first game, uh, the one in Charleston, well, I should say both games. I mean, both games involved huge losses of of a lead. Um, It was a comedy of errors in the game in Charleston. I mean, between bad fouls, technical fouls, not boxing out, turning the ball over. That's unlike the Cougars. Yeah. All sorts of things that cause that lead to evaporate. Troy Harper was a big part of both of those comebacks, uh, the one in Philly as well, when they almost came back from down 15. Trevor John is a is a tough cover. I I just felt like the Cougars switch everything, and Trevor John would just slip slip out to the arc and have no qualms with with putting a shot up. And most of the time, he was hitting. Right. Obviously, Troy Harper is not going to be a go for this game, though. Right. So I think that definitely. That definitely changes things. Uh, with that being the case, I like Charleston's chances a little bit more, but if I'm Drexel, I am not intimidated by all, by the uh, the defending champs.
1: Yeah, I mean, and that, there's a lot to be said for that, uh, and we get, we'll we talk about that later on uh, as it applies to Charleston a little bit too, but I, I think that you know, Drexel's going to feel like they can win the game. Certainly, Charleston yeah. will have somewhat of a home court advantage. Uh, you look at Drexel not having Lee or Harper, Isabel transfers, you know, last offseason. Yeah. I mean, that's three pretty good perimeter players right there that Zach Spiker would have liked to have had at this point in the season. But, yeah, you, no you have to roll with who you have. And um, I, I agree. I think this will be a good matchup. I think these teams will, will, will battle for a while. But I see Charleston pulling away, you know, in the last four minutes or something.
0: Yeah, let's talk about our feelings on the Cougars a little bit. I'll start with what has me feeling pretty good reigning champs i still have the reigning mvp of the tournament people forget grant riller right uh, walked away with that award not joe chile he's back obviously a home court advantage probably the best bench that charleston has had in at least 12 years 10 or 12 years right. which right. we've never had going into uh into the tournament and talking about playing three games in three days that's a really nice advantage to have yeah sir. they've won nine nine of their last 11 they still got the three seed. Sure. You know, not quite being the same team as last year. They won two fewer games and, you know, are still comfortably in, uh, in in good position for the tournament. However, on the other hand, there's a few things that worry me. Still seeing some bad turnovers toward the end of the year, which is very uncharacteristic of an Earl Grant team. As good as that bench is, guys like Zepp Jasper or Sam Miller or Jalen Rashard, they could give you 12 points or they could give you zero points. <laughs> right. Brevin Galloway could give you 12 and he shoots three for four from three, or he could give you zero and goes over four. You could get 10 and six from Sam Miller or you could get two and two. So I worry that if all those guys are cold and that could happen because there's some younger guys in that group, then maybe you have an, an offensive lull that, um, that kind of sinks you.
1: Absolutely. Uh, You know, there's a reason those guys aren't starters, I guess would be the easy answer sometimes, but you're going to win or lose this tournament with your best players is kind of the way I always look at it. Uh, You you hope to get some contributions down the bench from some guys uh, like, you know, the talented guys you you mentioned. However, uh, if Riller and Brantley play well, they're going to have to play well if Charleston wants to clip the nuts again. Basically, I don't. I don't see them be, being able to overcome uh, one of those two having a mediocre tournament. Uh, the the Cougars. It's a little different team than than last year. I do. I, I like the fact that Earl has used his bench and tried to find some different combinations depending on the 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 matchup or who's got the hot hand, that sort of thing. And um, I, I feel like one of those guys will emerge. I, I couldn't tell you who if I.
0: Well, that's that's usually what happens is one of those four will step up, either McManus or Jasper or Miller or Richard. One of them, one of them will go off for, you know, eight to 12 points. And that's that's the boost the Cougars need to get to the mid 70s where they they'll usually win the game. I've I've said the word talent a couple of times on this episode, and the Cougars do still have two of the top four or five players in the league. And that is certainly worth something.
1: No doubt and uh look there there's uh you can't put a, a an accurate value on on the the fact that when they get back in the coliseum they're they're going to have some good memories from a year ago, and they're the only team uh only players there who who know what it's like to win that tournament
0: yeah that's got to be that's got to be worth something the older guys on that team know what it takes to uh to cut down the nets so hopefully the cougars are hitting at the right time. I think, you know, they're there. They do certainly have momentum with those only two losses being to Hofstra and William and Mary, which you mentioned. And they're in the friendly confines of, of North Charleston. So they should be able to ride up a, a little home court advantage. Yeah. I like their chances. I think you already mentioned, or you already answered this question, but out of the Saturday and Sunday games, which one has you most intrigued? Is it CFC versus Drexel, or is it another one?
1: No, that's definitely the the game that I see. Uh, while I see Charleston pulling away and winning. Um, I think that will be a intriguing matchup. Drexel proven ability to to get under Charleston's skin, and um, you know if they can find enough offense without Harper. Yeah, they're just they're just in such a shortage of of scorers. They've they've got role guys who've been asked to take on a much bigger role than than maybe they could handle at this point in their career but out of necessity uh built some nice things for the future but I, I just don't think there's enough gas in the tank for the Dragons to to knock off the Cougars on their pseudo home court.
0: Well, I'm certainly hoping so. Uh <laughs> other other contenders I think for, you know, the intriguing matchup we already talked about Elon and UNCW maybe that Delaware William and Mary game. I know you think it's going to be a blowout. Maybe a guy like Horton gets hot or, or Eric Carter is, is back and healthy. And you know, the Carter versus night battle is a fun one, but I think um, I think CFC Drexel in prime time is, uh, is the game.
1: Yeah, I agree. I mean, look, I like Delaware's, you know, they've got some nice pieces, but uh, I just feel like that's a team that's, that's sliding in the wrong direction at the wrong time of the year.
0: Yeah. Well, let's, let's dive into some predictions. So I've got a couple questions to throw your way. We can go back and forth on these. First up, I want to get a team from you besides Hofstra, Northeastern, and CFC that you think could win two or even more games this weekend.
1: I think William & Mary. Okay. Um, I think with, uh, you know, I mean, they're the four seeds, so it wouldn't be shocking if they if they made it to the finals, although they would have to upset the number one seed to get there most likely. Uh, I think Shaver, he just always finds a way to come up with the right kind of game plan. And uh, the, the team has a lot of confidence right now. They're just, they're dangerous because they've, they've got two really, really good players in Pierce and Knight, And they have certainly other guys who are capable of, of, of having a double figure or better outing. If you look at, they're you know, their young guys haven't really been in this atmosphere and this will be their first time. Sometimes that's that's a great thing because you don't even realize yeah. it. And you just go out and play well. Right. Uh it it will be interesting to see how the how their young players uh accept the challenge. But uh I, I think uh, you know, we all
0: know that poor you know,
1: Jerry Beach, nobody <laughs> and and himstead wants
0: to see Terry Beach is sweating just having, <laughs> listening to you talk about William and Mary, but nobody wants to see
1: anybody from Williamsburg for at least two weeks and uh that would uh I mean they've just had some amazing basketball games over the last five six, seven years, and uh they would probably have another one in in that in that situation
0: well so if you're going William and Mary. I feel like it's kind of a cop out taking them. So going deeper, I mean, am I crazy to think UNCW could win two games? I mean, I guess, no. I guess the matchups are not in their favor, but I think they can win that first game and they've shown that they can play okay in the tournament to to kick things off at least uh, with last year's upset. And if Kaycock, Kaycock is going to go 20 and 10, and if you get one or two other guys who contribute, I I could totally see UNCW riding their offense and this suddenly improved defense to uh, to a second win maybe.
1: They're a dangerous team. There's no doubt. Uh, I don't think you're uh, you're way off base there. I think any. I mean, defense. It's going to take defense over the course of three games, but uh, to win it. But a, a team with a potent offense can cause a lot of problems, and and you know they come out shooting the ball well. Jump out to a ten or twelve point lead, and uh, just put a team in a, in, a, in a pressure situation, knowing their season's over. I mean, knowing this is a one and done opportunity. Uh, so the I, I, again, I think he's kept his group together. I, I think they're building for the future. Uh, a lot of the fans here in town are encouraged by yeah. the by the young talent. Uh, I'm 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 not sure uh, personally, but uh, they've. They've individually had some games. If they a couple like you said, a couple of them can can complement k at the right time. Uh you know, but can they beat Northeastern?
0: Yeah, I, you know, UNCW yeah, and JMU could both be upset minded, but they're both running into a buzzsaw in the quarterfinals against the yeah. top 2 seeds. So,
1: Yeah. Those teams separated themselves for a reason over the long haul, and I, I just don't uh it, it would, you know, they're going to be double digit underdogs. If they're able to get to that situation, I, I would have to yeah. think. All
0: right, let's go the other way. A team that is favored who could be on upset alert, maybe earlier than expected. Watch what you say here, Brian Mull.
1: <laughs> I do remember <laughs> with what kind of podcast I'm on. Uh, <laughs>
0: uh,
1: I think Hofstra. And, uh, they, they've been so good offensively. One of the best teams in the country. Certainly the easily the best team. I mean, the dominant in every category just about. Uh, yeah. But, you know, a bad shooting night at the wrong time and, uh, again, some foul trouble on the interior. Uh, just the things that can happen over the course of a basketball game. Uh, you know, that zone sometimes doesn't really take away a lot of what the other team is, is trying to do, although they have defended better this year than in recent years. Mm-hmm and again the the the, the pressure of the pride may feel we don't know but uh they may they may play a little tight and uh if so that could uh i guess an opponent who would have nothing to lose because you're facing the number 1 seed um and we've seen it you know we, there there's you go through the conference tournaments there's 32 of them and and you know while the number 1 seed has had a lot of success in the CAA historically Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there, there's year in and year out. There's the, the number one seed goes, goes by the wayside.
0: I think you have to go Hofstra. I mean, it just feels like they're swaying a little bit right now. And that defense, which had seemed to turn around completely this season, is a little bit more porous than it was earlier in the year. Because they lost their first game last season, because they have that short bench, I, I worry about them as well. I I Again, I think they'll get through the quarterfinals that William and Mary matchup that's sitting there is, is super interesting, but compared to Northeastern and, and CFC, I mean, CFC is a a candidate for this as well. Um, we're all hoping for the best and, and I think Charleston is, uh, has a run in them, but, uh, yeah, I I agree. I think Hofstra, you kind of just have to be a little bit worried about right now.
1: I mean, William and Mary and Hofstra played twice and when one, one, one of the games went to triple overtime in Williamsburg and Hofstra won, that yep. one ninety three ninety. 93-90 and then they played and later a little later in the season in Hempstead and, and and Hofstra won 93-87, so certainly the the Tribe can score. Uh Nathan Knight went went nuts for 39 in that game and uh you know, they're not going to be afraid of or, or 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 lacking any confidence in in their ability to put a bunch of points on the board. Again, all it takes in this time of year is one segment, one 4 or 5 minute segment where the you know, the ball doesn't go in or or you miss a couple open shots and oh yeah. Then again, maybe that you know, then that pressure really builds on on a favorite.
0: Well, let's talk about uh an individual player who might be able to swing a game or two. Um like in one of those spurts that that you're describing. Do you have a player in mind who could uh who we look back on and, and think they were instrumental, kind of like a, a Marquise Pointer was last year. Well,
1: from from William and Mary, Matt, Matt Milan is a guy who uh, he can, he's always. I mean, he's improved this year and been a little more consistent, but he's kind of a feast or famine type guy. I mean, he he could get five mm-hmm. points, but he could get twenty five. And if the good Matt Milan shows up to complement Pearson Knight, I mean, now you're talking about you know three three guys who can go get twenty points, um, which which is certainly. They're they're going to need William and Mary is going to need uh, need something like that from him. I think Coburn for Hofstra has been a guy you know yep. who uh, has been like their whole team has been extremely efficient and in, in, uh, in his opportunities and uh, really accepted a nice role. And if he can continue to play at that level, I mean he's he's not really a guy anybody talks about on that team. But if he continues to play at the level he has all year, you know now you're just it's a numbers thing like. Bruiser Flint told me one time, he's like, most college teams only have two or three guys that you really have to guard. Right. <laughs> you know, but when you yeah. get kind of like Wilmington had a couple of years ago and even Charleston to a degree last year, when you, when you can put four and, and maybe even five guys out there the other team has to pay attention to, uh, it's difficult to stop them all. And, um, you know, Coburn has kind of been that that fourth perimeter scorer for them a lot of times, and, and Ray Ray as well.
0: Yeah, you, you took two of mine. I was going to say, I'm going shooter as well. Uh, so Coburn and Ray from Hofstra, I think are good candidates. Eli Pemberton, although he's been a pretty consistent second second option for them. But I'm going to go to uh, Jordan Rowland from Northeastern. I mean, yeah. that guy can get hot and drop 25, 30 points on you. So I could see him rescuing Northeastern in a game when, when maybe Pusic is struggling with turnovers or, or things are just kind of getting bogged down. He can can be lights out, so he he's my pick to uh, to kind of sway a game if it comes to that.
1: No, I agree. I think that's a great pick. Uh, he, they're going to need him to to score a lot of points, too, especially yeah. if uh, Murphy's unavailable. Uh, they they they're just they're going to have to re- rely on their backcourt to to really carry the scoring load.
0: All right, well let's uh, let's talk the prediction of all predictions. Who are you picking to uh, cut down the nets?
1: I am uh, picking the Northeastern Huskies. I think that uh, they avenge last year's painful defeat.
0: Well, it wasn't that painful.
1: (laughs) It was joyous, wasn't it? Um, Now, I'll tell you what I like about Northeastern is I agree with you on the three-point shooting, not only in the Coliseum, but just in, in tournaments in general. Especially when they're playing in larger, unfamiliar arenas, I, I like a team that can score two point baskets, and the Huskies do that better than anybody in the league. And they take away the three point shot from opponents as yeah. well as anybody in the league. And I just think that's a winning combination. Um, they they don't they've they've kind of handled their turnover problem that was an issue for them at times last year, but some of that is dependent upon Murphy at least yeah. play, playing some kind of role, you know, whether he's full strength or whatever, I don't know, but I I don't, you know, it's it's kind of I pick Northeastern with an asterisk. Uh if he if he can't go at all, it's going to be very difficult for for them to have enough firepower. That's a good
0: point. Yeah, and I I had already mentioned Osius. It doesn't seem like he's going to go, but you know, I got to pick the the Cougars here. I'm picking Charleston. And I I I know I sound pessimistic about the Coogs, but I already mentioned what has me feeling good about them. Reigning champs, home court advantage two top five players in the league. If a team is going to take away their three point shot, that's not a bad thing because they've survived to this point in the season without much of a three point shot. And all it takes is one, one or two unexpected guys to uh, to chip in eight to 10 points and get a combined 45 or so from Riller and Brantley. You can take down anybody and I know they went one and three against Northeastern and Hofstra, but they looked pretty good in both games against those teams the last time in Charleston. And if I'm Northeastern, I'd be, you know, a little rattled by the Cougars. Um, You go into TD Arena toward the end of the season and can't close them out, uh, Charleston, that is, in overtime. So I like the path that the Cougars have. I um, don't love Drexel and Northeastern as their first two matchups, but I'd also be really worried about William and Marion Hofstra, so uh, I think Charleston does have a lot to uh, to to feel good about going into this tournament.
1: No, no question, no question. And I've I've been a bit, you know I love Earl Grant as a coach and the personnel, um, at this group you know nucleus that that they've had there. Uh, I think Brantley's been one of the most impactful players and and and, and uh, i can't believe i overlooked him when i was thinking about big men not having an impact because i don't even think of him i don't even think of him as like he's just a such a basketball player you know my visual of him as a freshman is like bringing the ball up the court in the conference tournament against uncw's full court pressure yeah. you know like and and thinking to myself in a close game and, and thinking this kid's gonna be really really good um and he has been uh so the Cougars are going to be tough to beat and you know it's kind of like you know you've got the belt you've got the crown until somebody somebody's got to take it away. That's right. And um you know that's uh we you see teams repeat in conference tournaments a lot I think just because of that that little ability to to know how now let me ask you a question as a Charleston fan sure. what concern is there if you know Charleston wins the tournament, and uh, I guess the worst case scenario, Earl a better offer comes along. I mean, for Earl and 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 Riller decides to graduate or transfer. I mean, is that really the doomsday scenario for Cougars fans?
0: <laughs> Are you saying we should be rooting against a, another championship? So that... <laughs> <laughs> I would yeah. never say that. I'm just uh I mean
1: I guess it, it, that's always possible obviously at this level when uh you, you know what can be offered is is there any uh concern or do the people feel like well he didn't leave last year so he's he's going to be here I,
0: Yeah I time. think I think there's there's certainly a concern I do think Riller and and Grant are kind of attached at the hip Right But um I I hope that the school has put enough resources into keeping Earl Grant and Assuring him that they're going to build this program around him that he wouldn't want to bounce. I, I know it can be tantalizing, but um, I think as long as like an SEC or an ACC job doesn't open up, he should uh, he should stick around. So I guess that is the uh, what's weighing in between repeating as champions and and keeping Earl Grant for the long haul. <laughs> it's something i don't want to think about too much but uh yeah thanks for uh thanks for bringing it up
1: <laughs> well you know glad to put a damper on the parade and, and i agree <laughs> i think earl and he's smart enough and i'm sure has great counsel but he he should leave if he does leave ever he should only be for a, a good job even in one of those leagues that you mentioned because yeah. uh you know he certainly has a terrific situation there and one of the best jobs, yeah you know, I've had coaches tell me many times if you've got one of the best jobs in your league, you've got to be really smart about uh you know the next job that you take because if you, it might be the last one you get if it's the wrong if it's the wrong choice
0: That's absolutely the case, yep, Brian, thanks for doing this with me. Is there anything you want to leave the people with before we part ways?
1: Uh, Not really. Just hope everybody enjoys the tournament down there and uh, always a great, great week. And uh, certainly uh, uh, thanks for listening.
0: Yeah. Thanks, Brian. We'll uh, catch you on the other side of the tournament, I'm sure. Okay, Tommy. Thanks.